Statesman Journal's Explore Oregon podcast. I'm your host, Zachary Ness, and in each episode, we highlight Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places. All right, now I'm going to talk briefly about the sponsors that make this podcast possible. And keep in mind that all the money from these sponsors goes towards hiring outdoor journalism interns. This year, we've hired three interns and paid them $15 per hour. And over the course of this podcast, we've hired seven different interns, not only helping us report on Oregon's outdoors, but also teaching young college students journalistic skills that they can carry forward. Plus, it's a pretty fun internship anyway. They get to travel outdoors, report about the environment. It's a good gig, and these sponsors make it possible. So anyway, I just wanted to mention that before we get rolling. So this part you'll recognize. This podcast is brought to you by the American Forest Resource Council supporting responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest. Learn more at amforest.org. We're also supported by Visit Tillamook Coast, a land of ocean and forest just an hour from the Willamette Valley that is focusing this summer on the best way to care for its forest, beaches, and waterways through a promotion that emphasizes cleaning up and leaving no trace. We'll dive into how they do that just a little bit later in the show. Finally, the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department encourages Oregonians to enjoy parks safely this summer. If you're camping, please follow campfire safety guidelines, such as keeping the flames from your fire to no more than two feet in height and using the fire ring provided at your campsite. And please use local wood to avoid bringing invasive insects into parks. This will help preserve the health of Oregon's forests for seasons to come. Learn more about campfire safety guidelines, including current restrictions, at stateparks.oregon.gov. All right, in today's episode, we'll look to the sky and prepare for Oregon's ring of fire eclipse that is coming less than one month from today. But first, here's some guitar music to get us going. All right, well, in today's episode, we are going to prepare ourselves to once again look to the heavens and watch one of the great celestial events, a solar eclipse. At 9.16 a.m. on October 14th, which is less than a month from today, the moon will pass in front of the sun and give us a dazzling ring of fire that will be particularly impressive in the lower to mid-half of Oregon from around Eugene down to Roseburg and Grants Pass. Many will recall the 2017 total solar eclipse, which was a generational moment that captivated Oregon like few other events. This year's eclipse won't be quite that impressive, but it should still be a great show. To help us work through everything we need to know, including where best to see it, we're joined today by University of Oregon astronomy professor and director of the Pine Mountain Observatory, Scott Fisher. Scott, thanks for being here to help us understand an eclipse that is coming up pretty darn soon here. 
No, for sure, Zach. Thanks for having me. All right, so let's start here. If you were live in Oregon six years ago, chances, very good, you remember the total solar eclipse, especially here in Salem, where we were in the path of totality. It was just a dazzling moment. The world went dark. I'm not sure any event has done a better job of living up to the hype. <laughs> that said, the eclipse that's coming up is not a total solar eclipse like 2017, but rather an annular eclipse. So Scott, can you explain the difference between those two in terms of what we're gonna see? No, we sure can. And, and, and thank you for letting me um, reminisce about 2017. As you can imagine, <laughs> as an astronomer, that was an extra life-moving moment <laughs> to, to, see, to see the eclipse here in, in central Oregon. Um, but, you know, you know, actually, you made a, a great point right in the first sentence, Zach. They, um, that was, was called a total solar eclipse. And what we're going to see here in October is called an annular eclipse. And the big difference is is that not all of the sun's disk is going to be covered by the moon this time. If you remember back in 2017, we had those two or three minutes of what was called totality. And that was when the moon covered the entire disk of the sun. And that was why we could see the corona um, and the, the little prominences off the edge of the sun and all of that. Well, it turns out that we're not going to get those effects this time, but we will see, like you mentioned, a, a beautiful what is called the ring of fire um, in this particular eclipse. Okay, so what exactly is happening in the sky that allows this to happen? What is the ring of fire? Kind of like give us a visual for what that is. Yeah, sure. So the, um, the, the ring of fire is, is just a funny term that folks came up with. And, and it's because that um, in this particular eclipse, not all of the sun is going to be covered. And, and that happens, but it turns out, because of how the, the orbit of the moon works. The, uh, as you might, you know, as we remember, the moon orbits around the Earth once, you know, once every month. And then the moon and the Earth, as a pair, we orbit around the sun. And, but it turns out that the orbit of the moon is not a perfect circle. It's actually a little bit oval. And, mm. and because of that, the moon, well, sometimes it's a little bit closer to the Earth, and sometimes it's a little bit farther away from the Earth when it's in its orbit. Back in 2017, the moon was pretty close to the Earth. And by the way, let me say something real quick. When I the, the change between the nearest and the farthest away the moon is is only like five percent. So it's not a you know it's not a big massive change, but it's enough that it has a dramatic effect on these eclipses. Back in 2017, the moon was fairly close to the Earth, and therefore it looks a little bigger in the sky, and it was big enough to cover the entire sun. Coming up next month, the moon is going to be a little bit farther away from the Earth, so it appears a little smaller in the sky, and it is not going to be big enough to cover the entire disk of the sun. There's going to be a little ring of the sun that's still visible around the shadow of the moon or the disk of the moon. And that's what we call the, the ring of fire. So are the ring of fire events more common or are total eclipses more common? I'm just trying to come up with like an idea of like, are the total eclipses like a rare event? No, that's a good, that's a good question. The, the total eclipses are, are a little bit more rare. Um, on average, um, some sort of total eclipse or annual eclipse happens about once per year somewhere on Earth. And, and of those, the totals are a little bit rarer because you need that extra special case that not only 
does the moon, the earth, and the sun align perfectly, but you also have to have the moon pretty close to the earth in its orbit. Okay, so I do want to get into the location of where we're going to see this eclipse, because that's obviously a pretty important part of it. Oh, yeah, for but, sure. Uh, but let's dwell on the experience just a little bit more. So when this moment hits, what can we expect to happen? Like, is the world going to go partly dark in the same way as last time? <laughs> what visual things yeah. can we expect? Yeah, actually, that's that's a pretty good way of saying it. I, we, I would call it partly dark. I mean, <laughs> um, so the, the, now, look, the neat thing is, well, there's lots of neat things, but one neat thing for me is the first part of the eclipse is going to be just like 2017. You're going to see the sun and you're going to see the moon start to take a little bite out of the sun. Yeah. And then, you know, then the moon is going to move slowly, you know, over the course of, oh, you know, uh, 45 minutes or so. It's going to move slowly across the disk of the sun. But this time it's just never going to cover up the full thing. So the whole first part of the eclipse is going to be exactly the same. Really, the only thing that's different is in those back in 2017, we had those three or two or three minutes of totality. We aren't going to get that this time. You're just going to see that beautiful, perfect black disk of the moon just move very slowly right across the sun. Oh, man. Interesting. Um, how dark? I mean, how dark? Do, like last time during totality, it was wild like i said one of the few events that lives up to the hype but i mean like it was almost like animals were confused like oh my god like it got yeah it got cold outside like like you could see why like if you were a, a historical you know people living long ago like this would happen and you'd be like something crazy just happened like, <laughs> the gods I, are telling us something I, i'm so it's so funny you said that i swear to you not even an hour ago i had an i had a, a discussion with another physics professor and i said the same thing i'm like can you imagine living 2000 years ago and you wake up Monday morning and it just, this happens, you know, with no warning? Of course, you thought the dragon was eating the sun or, or the gods were mad at you or something. I mean, hell, I knew we knew it was coming down to the second. And it still freaked me out a little bit. Oh, yeah, totally. OK, so that was the so, first. Yeah, time. So sorry. Back to reminiscent. It's going to be um, it'll be significantly darker. So, by the way, on the eclipse coming up, about 95 percent of the sun is going to be covered by the moon. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a whole lot of the sun is going to be covered. Um, it's not going to be nearly as dramatic as we saw back then, but you certainly it's going to get darker. And I suspect it might get a little cooler. I'm sort of looking forward to seeing. I don't know if that's going to happen. But but I think the way to think about it is it's going to be everything in 2017, but a, a little bit muted, <laughs> not, not quite sure. as intense. Yeah, sure. Well, I guess I was just thinking to myself, you know, if because we talked at the beginning about how this hasn't got nearly as much play in the national media. And yeah. I'm just like I'm, I'm imagining that person who doesn't know about it is like just driving down the street or out on this nice Saturday <laughs> and then sees something happening is just like, what's happening? Um, oh, yeah. So no, I no, that... I, it's going to be dramatic enough that you can you can tell something weird's going on. Well, let's talk about the place where we're mm -hmm. going to be able to, to see it best, because the location is is a big deal here. So in 2017, we remember that fabled path of totality, which is right. a great it passed over Newport, then Salem, then Madras and over to eastern Oregon, where I was busy chasing it, you know, out into the mountains of eastern Oregon. Right, right. <laughs> this this time around, the path kind of centers on central and southern Oregon, um, but it does include a lot of the states. So we start Reedsport and Coos Bay on yep. the coast, comes inland to all the all the way from around Albany and Eugene down to Roseburg and Grants Pass, and then Crater Lake smack in the middle. So what can we expect at those 
different locations like within that path are you getting the full experience or is it like muted on the edges or what do, like what does that path represent so boy I, I again you're setting me up with such wonderful questions the um it, the it, back in 2017 you're right it was called the path of totality now it's the path of annularity so okay. if you if you've seen a map of the eclipse Mm -hmm. um if you just like in 2017 if you were within that path you got to see the all of the effects of the totality if you're inside the path this time you'll get to see the full ring of fire you're going to okay. get to see the full disc of the moon in front of the sun okay so there's not a difference between being smack in the middle at crater lake or being kind of on the edge like at albany that no 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 that's exactly right um no if you're at crater lake or you're in eugene you're gonna you're gonna see the same thing now if you're up in portland for example what you're gonna see is a is a wonderful partial eclipse where you know part of the sun's disk is covered up by the um by the moon but you just won't get to see the ring the, the full ring oh, okay gotcha so yeah. you'll still see something in salem and portland like oh yeah there? yes sir. absolutely yep yep that's um and that that's interesting because this is um I, that's for this one, that's been a little bit of a misconception. I think folks have uh, have thought it's a little bit different, but I wanted to make sure to to tell all of um, all the folks who are listening that look, if you can't get down to Eugene or Roseburg where the where the annularity is going to happen, it's still going to look pretty darn neat from Portland when you can look up and see maybe half the sun, a, a big half the sun, a big bite taken out of the sun. Tiffany Roddy with Roseburg Forest Products. As a professional forester, I was drawn to Oregon by the trees and the vastness of Oregon's majestic outdoors. I'm proud to work for a family-owned, fully integrated wood products company with a deep commitment to our industry and our communities. Roseburg's sustainably managed timberlands are open for recreation and provide natural wood products that help make people's lives better from the ground up. We are proud members of AFRC, sponsor of the Explore Oregon podcast. Learn more at amforest.org. This message is brought to you by Visit Tillamook Coast. On the Tillamook Coast, we've cared for our forests, farmlands, beaches, and waterways for generations. It's in our DNA, and we bet it's in yours too. While visiting, help us care for our coast. Place trash in garbage cans, pick up after your pet, stay on trails, respect private property, and follow beach fire rules, which means extinguishing fires with water while also checking local rules to avoid igniting wildfires. Tillamook Coast welcomes your visit, and we hope that you'll become a temporary local while here. A few ways to do that include pitching in on a beach cleanup or taking a guided kayak tour to hear about ways to protect bays and rivers. There are science hikes to take, nature preserves and marine reserves to explore, or you can visit a farm, a commercial fishing dock, or even stop by a fish hatchery. Find out about all these options and how to care for our coast at tillamookcoast.com slash caringforourcoast. Once again, it's tillamookcoast.com slash caringforourcoast. Okay, so 
time and date is is important here. We got mm-hmm. nine sixteen a.m. Saturday, October fourteenth. That's right. I think that's for Eugene. Yeah. Okay, and you 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 mentioned that we're gonna have that kind of ramp up to it because that was almost the most fun of it was again watching the you know the sun slowly get like eaten up. Oh, by, that's what I thought. The yeah. bit. <laughs> so that's gonna happen. On, that 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 is gonna stay on both sides of it uh, the same way as is last time. That's um, right. I. I think the first little nibble um, is going to be taken out of the sun around 8.15 or so a.m. Okay. Well, let's talk about where this is happening in the sky because, you know, it's 9.16 a.m. That's kind mm-hmm. of early. So, yeah. and it, so you're going to have to, you're going to want to be looking kind of low in the sky to the east. Is that how that's you would like yes, want to be sir, set that's up for? right. Yeah. If you, if you had a choice of places, you're going to want a place that has a fairly clear, you know, a nice clear horizon towards the east. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. It, will that, will, because it's so early, will that impact things at all? I guess what I'm worried about here is, you know, before it was in August and, and Oregon yeah, is so, so sunny, so yes, dry. Man. But oh, you get yeah. into August, you have, <laughs> I mean, we have fog all the time. We have clouds all the time. So I, how, I, how do you view that? Like, I mean, yeah. what do you... Well, I love Coos Bay, but I'm not sure that's the best place to be if you want to see it, you know, just because of the morning fog. Um, you know, so that's um, I, that's a really good consideration. Um, you know, we, we 2017 just set us up perfectly in Oregon. Yeah. Again, like you said, you know, August, clear skies, middle of the day. Um, here, you know, the sun's going to be fairly low in the sky. I'm, I'm actually, I'm sort of, I'm looking at a, uh, at, at a simulation of the, um, of the eclipse right now. And the sun is about um, 25 degrees high in the sky. So that, wow. that's, that's just, that's fairly low. You know, it's yeah, still it rising there in the morning. Um, so you, you do, you, you, you certainly want to be a place where, you know, you can see fairly low in the, in the eastern. It's sort of halfway between the east and the southeast is where the sun's going to be. Okay, so I'm thinking, and you know, just strategizing on this. Mm-hmm. Um, a popular thing to do, and a thing that I did back in 2017, was climb a mountain um, because you got yeah. the, kind of the whole the whole sky. It feels like this time that might even be a greater advantage because you could get a, above some potential fog, maybe, and yes, you have sir. the whole sky. So, I mean, is that a good strategy? You think? I, I would say if if you know the the higher altitude you get, with you know, again, with that helps with that clear eastern horizon, the better the chances you're going to have. And, okay. and, and, and again, um, you know, same as in the valley, you know, again, you know, we might have worry about a little, a little morning fog in the valley, but here in Eugene, you know, look, even if you uh, got to the top of, um, you know, Spencer's Butte or maybe up around Corvallis up on Mary's Peak or something like that, you know, anywhere you can get above that, that morning fog, that would, that would increase your chances greatly. Oh, wow. That, yeah, that's funny. You mentioned Mary's Peak. We had a reporter up there last time for the last eclipse, and oh. now it's going to be an annual later. So Mary's Peak is getting the best of both worlds. Here. I know. They're, getting, they're, they're doubling up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One thing that occurred to me is this is a, a football, college football Saturday morning. Um, the Ducks, it looks like they're going to be on the road in Washington, but the Beavers are going to be at home hosting UCLA. And I just, I'm trying to imagine that's going to be quite an atmosphere uh, I, I, I was gonna um well for better or for worse it'll it'll you know the event will be over by the time the game starts but but certainly any pre-gaming that's happened will have a wonderful extra little um celestial event to take part into yeah you could tailgate you can tailgate <laughs> yeah, watch the eclipse morning, have breakfast breakfast with an eclipse <laughs> yeah 
Oh man, that just sounds like a great day. Okay. So by the way, I'm looking at a map right now and Corvallis is sneaks just inside the the um path of annularity so if you if you are if you are up, 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 up tailgating up there you'd get to see the full thing man that'd be that'd be a good day um all right so we've got you know every, occasionally we'll have a true rainstorm on our hands in october mm-hmm. in western oregon if that happens i mean is it really worth you know getting in your car you know heading east towards northern california kind of out into the desert um, oh, can you see much if it's going to be that cloudy? Like, would you, could you just miss it? Um, well, no, that's a good, that's a good question. I mean, I actually think even in the morning fog, you know, look, if you can see the sun through the fog, mm-hmm. you're going to get to see the full thing. You know, it's mm-hmm. not, it's not like, again, the total where you're, you're going to see the real faint Corona and things like that. I, I, th- I think if I were in, if I were in the Willamette Valley, and it were cloudy that morning and i really wanted to see it i think what i would probably do is is head east i, I would mm-hmm. you know try to head east up into the passes or or maybe if you get early enough you know maybe down oh you know somewhere around lapine or somewhere i might might i i might go okay gotcha, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. i don't think i don't think you'd want to go south i think if you you probably have a better shot um heading east and getting on the other side of the cascades Mm-hmm. And then from Oregon and in, in the Cascades, it kind of curves into Northeast California, doesn't it? Yeah, it sure does. It's um, um, Medford barely gets the southern edge yeah. of the annularity and Corvallis there at the top. Sun River is barely in Lakeview and K Falls are in. And then it arcs down across exactly right. Um, just the tip of Northern California and then down across Nevada and um, Arizona and Texas and then out into the Gulf. Okay, so the last time I, I remember because, you know, as photographers, we trained for those just two mm-hmm. minutes of totality, how to shoot it. You got to be on your game. Every oh, all yeah. the settings all correct. Now, this time around, it lasts a little bit longer, right? Doesn't the ring of fire effect last longer than two minutes? Like yeah, I've seen different I times. We're going to have, um, depending where you are in the, in the, in the zone, um, I think it gets up to almost nine minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you got to definitely got a few more. You definitely got a few more, uh, a little longer time to, 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 to get, to get some shots, for example. Yeah. To set up your shots, because that yeah. was such a big, big thing last year. I think one of my favorite ones is the, the guy climbing monkey face on. That oh, was the best one. It right. That was a good one. Right? Yeah. It, but you know, people, the photographers, this is such a big deal for them. This is like their Super Bowl. So just like setting up for how to. How to how to view like the the mountain in the foreground and the eclipse behind it. So and, and my understanding is 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 those folks you know though they, they went out many 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 month, weeks before and yeah. you know to, to practice and things like that. Yeah. Um, okay, so on that note though, um, you know, advice we we always got to mention how to keep your eyes safe. So this yeah, is the same no, thing point. as the other ones. Like if you're staring at it, you can you can burn your eyelids oh, out. Yeah, so. no, yeah, none of that, please. Yeah. Um, I hope everybody kept their kept their eclipse classes. <laughs> I did, uh-huh. you know, from last time. Um, but but look, the, the, we want you to follow the same um, safety procedures as before. Um, you know, please use you know some approved eclipse glasses. Um, really, that's the only thing I would recommend. I mean, there's a other couple things, but let's let's be safe. And here's one big difference: you can't take your glasses off this time. Remember, during totality. There for those two or three minutes, we could take our glasses off so we could see the corona and all those cool things. But this time, you know, 5% of the sun's disc is still going to be visible. So you okay. want to keep your glasses on the whole time. 
Okay, gotcha. All right, so we've been a little spoiled. Like we talked about, uh, you know, Mary's Peak being gonna is gonna get both of them. We had another annular apparently back in 2012, although I don't remember it. Um, and now we've got this year. So then it doesn't happen in Oregon for a long time. Am I correct on that? Like, is right. this kind of the last shebang for for a while? This as far as these events go, yep. Yep, I, I learned I learned an interesting uh, fact about this. Actually, back in 2017, I learned this is um, on average, it's about 200 and for any given spot on Earth, call it, you know, Eugene or Prineville or something like that. It's about on average 250 years between each eclipse. And wow. and so we, we got pretty lucky here. <laughs> and yeah. so seven years to two going through the uh, going through the same area. And just for and just interestingly, you know, there's another total solar eclipse next year in 2024. And Carbondale, Illinois, is the one city that's got both of them. They're going to get it in 2017, and they're going to get it in 2024 too. So, what kind of luck? Did, what kind of luck did they have? I mean, the the definitely the 2017 eclipse made believers out of a lot of people. It like like mm-hmm. like people who'd never seen it before saw it and were just like, "Wow, give me another hit of that." Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, now I understand why about these people called eclipse chasers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The next the next one does go through the United States. Like, do you know offhand yeah. kind of the 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 path of totality there? Like, just in broad yeah. strokes. No, sure do. Broadly, if you remember 2017, it was west to east. Mm-hmm. And this time it's south to north. It comes okay. it comes across central Mexico and then Texas, Oklahoma, Illinois, um, and then curves up and goes across um, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and up through Vermont and leaves in Maine. Oh wow! So yeah. that'll be hitting some big population centers on, yeah, on kind of the yeah. east side. And it's going to the east. The east coast is getting a better shot at this one than we had than 2017. Okay, so we'll have to do some traveling to, to make Yeah, that. I know. And by the way, if you're going to do it, it's, only, it's in April of next year, so book now. Stuff is already starting <laughs> to <fill> up. <laughs> I bet it is, yeah. Um, okay, so when do you have no offhand the next time Oregon will get one of these? I thought I saw like 2070s or something like that. Well, we've got a partial solar eclipse in 2029. Okay. But, um, but I definitely do not see the next total. Yeah, and it, I don't even I don't know if a total no, even was on it. I, I was reading something. I think it was another annular, but it was like yeah. twenty seventy or something like yeah, that. So well, it was... I'm up to yeah, I'm up to the twenty forties, and I haven't seen any yet. I, I would, you know what? I complete can completely believe it would be something like twenty seventy. And by the way, that would be completely consistent with that. You know, on average, every two hundred fifty years or so. Because huh. this is just this is just a roll of the dice, essentially. Mm-hmm. This is you know this is drawing a card. Like you, yeah. you, there's no rhyme or reason to it. You don't earn an eclipse. Well, no, the, well, there is some rhyme or reason, but it has to, it has sure. everything you know. But but for but but for any given spot, it's drawing a card. Um, but but by the way, you know we we the reason that we can predict these eclipses so precisely is is that we have we humanity. You know we mm-hmm. have a very good understanding of how you know, the orbits of the moon and the sun and the earth all interact. And there are, um, you know, computer models that are so precise, it allows us to predict these eclipses, you know, again, a thousand years into the future with very high mm. precision. Wow, that's wild. that's wild. Is I mean, can you tell me anything else about the the astronomy side of this? Like any other interesting facts that maybe you would share with your students um, that relate to this that people might find interesting? Oh, oh no. Here's one. Here's one that I'm using. I'm um, going to use in my class coming up in the fall term. Is you know 
for the folks that saw the, the total eclipse in 2017. And then the question is, is like, wait a second, did the moon shrink? How, wh wh why is it not covering the entire disk of the sun anymore? And mm -hmm. now, the, the, of course, the, the answer is, is the moon did not shrink. But there's, a, there's an interesting concept called not physical size, but angular size. And here mm. we're going to give all our listeners a homework. They didn't even know we we're going to have a, a bit of an active, a, an active learning moment. Take okay. your, um, everybody take your right thumb and look at your thumbnail. And, okay. you know, you, you can sort of see how big your thumbnail is. Now mm -hmm. take your thumb and put it real close to your eye. And you can see, wow, I can cover almost my entire computer monitor with my thumb as I'm sitting here. Uh -huh. Now take your thumb and put it at arm's length. Mm -hmm. and, and now how much of your computer monitor or whatever you're looking at is your thumb covering? Your thumb did not change size, but its angular size changed. And that's what's happening here. The moon, and you know, next, next month, the moon is going to be a little bit farther away from the earth. And therefore, its angular size has changed. And that's why it will, um, that's why it's not going to cover up the full disk of the sun this time. And the moon has a impact on earth all the time. I mean, because it relates like the distance relates to the tides and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, that isn't that the case? Sure. No, absolutely. The moon, um, it turns out that the moon and the sun both contribute to the tides on the earth, but the moon is a major contributor and causes, I think, oh, I'm going to wave my hands a little bit. Maybe um, about two thirds of the tides are caused by the moon. And, and that has everything to do with the, where the moon is in its orbit around the earth and a little bit to the point about how close or how far away the moon is. Remember, it doesn't move that far back and forth, about 5% closer and farther away. Sure. Well, I feel like we take the moon for granted sometimes, but... Uh, no, we kind of do it's up there all the time, but it's doing stuff to us. Well, anything else we need to know about this upcoming annular eclipse? Like, do we have a cool sounding name yet? Last time, I think we had the Great American Eclipse, which felt very oh, uniting. Uh, uh, does no, this no, one have a name yet? The... Hard to top. Um, you know, how about the Great American Annular Eclipse? We just came up with it, me and you, Zach, right now. Okay. <laughs> let's, Look, let, we'll, we'll, let's work for some alliteration. Maybe the Awesome Annular Eclipse. Oh, or we'll, there you go, maybe, maybe an extra A word or something like that. I we look, could work I college mean, football into it, maybe. I don't know. Oh, if we could only let's see the um, early season pack two pack. Um, oh, wait, no, let me not go into that right now. Um, <laughs> oh, no. So, <laughs> this is a, this is a science based podcast. Yeah, not sorry, gonna, not gonna do that. Uh, hey, look, I would just look as folks might imagine. You know, as an as an astronomer, I'm just I can't believe I'm going to say this over the moon about things <laughs> like this. And so um, I would just urge everybody: look, it's going to be a neat, fairly rare event. Um, you know, get up more, get up that morning and have a cup of coffee and a muffin and, and get your eclipse glasses on and just go out there and look, you're going to see something really, you know, unusual, get a, a beautiful, big bite taken out of the sun. And, and by the way, let me mention that if you got, if we remember, you know, a couple other neat effects happen when the moon goes in front of the sun, uh, for example, look at, look at all the shadows that are created by a tree. And you'll mm. see all the little arc-shaped suns. And, and that's something that I wanted to make sure to mention to folks to, uh, to be sure to take a look for. Look for funny shadows um, you know, as the eclipse is happening. All right. Well, I've once again been joined by University of Oregon astronomy professor Scott Fisher. He's also the director of the Pine Mountain Observatory in Central Oregon. Thanks so much for taking the time, Scott. Hey, thanks, Zach. This was fun, man. Re re really appreciate um, bringing me on.
All right, well, that's about all the time we have left in today's show. If you liked what you've heard, check out our catalog of more than 60 episodes featuring Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places at statesmanjournal.com slash explore, along with Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. We'd once again like to thank our sponsors, beginning with the American Forest Resources Council. AFRC supports responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest for our environment, for our economy, and for the future. Learn more at amforests.org. We'd also like to thank Visit Tillamook Coast. If you want to plan a trip out there, you can check out their outdoor recreation map that shows all the places to hike, swim, boat, and camp. You can find that map at tillamookcoast.com slash recreation hyphen map. Once again, that's tillamookcoast.com slash recreation hyphen map. And thanks to the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department, which stresses the importance of recreating responsibly and leaving no trace in Oregon's outdoors. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time for the next edition of the Explore Oregon podcast.